Licato has a book that we used to read to our children. The book is titled, You Are Special. How many of you feel special today? Couple? Yeah, y'all are laughing. Like, uh, I'm not sure. Is it a trick question? No, it's not a trick question today. Uh, the, the basic idea is this. There are people called the Wemmicks. The Wemmicks are little wooden people, and they are carved by a woodworker named Eli. So all of them were made by the same carver, and they all live in the same little village. And uh, each Wemmick was created different. Some had big noses. Others had large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. Some wore hats. Others uh, wore coats. But all were made by Eli, by the same guy. Now, that's the background. So here's what I want you to listen. Here's, here's what they did all day, every day. This is what happened in the land of the Wemmicks. All day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. I got some stickers here today. That, or... They gave each other dots. Each Wemmick had a box of Golden Star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets, all over the city, people spent their days sticking stars or dots on one another. Now listen to how you got a star or a dot. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got stars too. Some could lift big sticks high above their heads or jump over tall boxes. Still others knew big words or could sing pretty songs. Everyone gave them stars. Some women had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good, it made them want to do something else to get a star. But others couldn't do anything well. And they got dots. And so people would look around, and if you couldn't do anything well, you would get a dot. If you had a big nose, you'd get a dot. If you weren't very athletic, you'd get a big dot. If you, um, if you weren't very smart, you'd get a big dot. And it got to the point that those who got dots felt so bad about themselves that they wouldn't even leave their homes. If they did, they would go hang out with the others who were covered with dots because somehow that made them feel just a little bit better about themselves. Kind of sounds like us, doesn't it? We compare ourselves. Even though we're all clay pots made by the same maker, we tend to look at each other. And we were sitting around, we were talking about how this might look in our day. And uh, we came up with, you know, we don't give stickers, we don't give dots, we give verbal jabs. So as you watch this video, think about the things that are flying as verbal jabs. Check this out. Isn't it great to be a washburn? Yeah! We have our own guitar company. We have our own school. We have our own church. Ooh! Don't you think everyone wants to be a washburn? Yeah! Even that guy. Let's ask him.
knocked him out. Scream. <laughs> Time up. What's going on? Where am I? Washburns. You'll pay for this, Washburns. I know where you live. Sticks and stones. We've been saying that for a long time, right? We'll never... Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a bunch of baloney, isn't it? Because some of you still wear the scars of things that people have said to you. And we made a lot of fun. The kids had a blast. I had to call them off of throwing things at, at Drew um, because it was so much fun. Especially after Hannah got hurt the week before. She was ready to, to put some hurt on, on Drew. Now... Um, Words are like the balls flying through the air, and they, when they connect, they really hurt. Now, back to Max Lucado's story. In the Wemmick story, one girl comes along, and no stickers or no dots will stick to her. People tried to run out because they admired her that she didn't have dots. They would try to put a sticker on her, but the sticker would fall off. The star would fall off. And so because others, because she had no stars, thought, well, we'll put dots on her. And they put a dot on her, and they would fall off. Nothing would stick to her. So one Wemmick, who was really feeling bad about himself because he was covered in dots, asks her, how come things don't stick to you? And she said, well, every day I spend time with my maker. She said, you should too. He eventually goes to the maker and, and he asks the maker why things don't stick to her. And here's what the maker said. Um, he said, I don't care what other Wemmicks think and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They are Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. So, the maker says, because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think, the stickers don't stick. The stickers only stick if you let them. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. And, and you know, if you apply that to us, if you hear a label enough, if you hear somebody say you're dumb or you're fat or you're ugly enough, what happens to you? You start to believe it. And so we're going to talk about today how, um, how, you, can, how you can not let the past rule your present. In other words, what, what he was saying was, if you will choose to change designers, change the label of the designer, then you will be able... To get over your past. Now, I just want to know, anybody had pain in your past? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have had pain in your past because of your own dumb decisions? All right. You know, nobody forced you to make them. We may have blamed somebody else, but there are many, many of my painful things. I chose to do them. Nobody made me do them, whatever. But how many of you have had past, had, had trouble in your past, pain in your past, that was caused by other people and you didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. So everybody here has had pain. We're going to talk about how to deal with that today. Uh, if you've been hurt, you've got to go to God's word to figure out what you need to do to overcome your past. 
Well, we're going to look at a guy in the Old Testament named Joe. And I, I love this character. But I want you to realize that his family tree was major league jacked up. All right? You may say, no, 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 my family's messed up. Listen to this dude's family, and then let's see what God does in his life. Now, if you have your Bibles and you want to kind of follow along, Genesis 25, we're going to fly through a lot of stuff here, but we'll stop on certain verses, and, and I'll, I'll tell you about that. In Genesis 25, we find out um, about Joe's dad, and his dad's name was Jacob. This is real important because Jacob means trickster. All right, let's listen to how he tricks people in his life. Genesis 25, we find out that he tricked his older brother out of his rights as firstborn. Now, he has a twin. His twin's name is Esau. And uh, in, in this time, when you were firstborn, you got a double portion of everything that your father uh, had, had uh, accumulated during his lifetime. So just because, order of, of birth, my oldest brother, I'm, I'm so glad we don't live under that because my oldest brother would get twice as much as what I and my other brother would get. But under this one, that was the deal. You got twice as much simply because you were the firstborn son. Well, one day Esau had been hunting. He comes in and he's famished. And, and, he, and Jacob was a stay-at-home boy. Esau was his daddy's favorite. Jacob was his mama's favorite. And um, so Esau had been hunting. He comes home. He's famished. Jacob's over there making a pot of stew. Esau says, give me some stew. And he goes, no, you've got to sell me your rights as firstborn. And Esau, being a dipstick, said... What rights? What good are my rights? What good is my father's possessions if I die of hunger? Sure, you can have them for a bowl of soup. Now, Esau wasn't real bright, but anyway, family playing favorites with your children. That's one of the quickest ways to mess up your family. So here's here's what's going on. This has happened. So he sells him his rights. He's going to get a double portion of his father's inheritance, his father's uh, accumulations. Well, then later, the, the huge deal in this society was to bless your children before you die. So their father is about to die, and he says, go out and, and get me some wild game that I like to eat, and I'm going to give you my blessing. Well, Jacob and his mama form this big old plan to get the blessing before Esau gets back. So he stole his right to his firstborn. He stole his blessing, tricked him out of his blessing. Esau, although he's not very smart, he's pretty strong, he's pretty tough, he's a, he's a man's man. So when he finds out that he's been tricked out of the blessing, you know what he decides to do? Kill Jacob. So little mama's boy takes off running. He runs, seriously, literally, for his life. Goes to another country. Now, this, this gets kind of funny here. So he goes to this country and he falls in love with this girl named Rachel. And he says to Rachel's father, I will work for you seven years if you'll give me your daughter, Rachel, in marriage. And uh, I love this. I don't know why I've always remembered this, but Genesis twenty nine twenty. Here's what Jacob says. So Jacob spent the next seven years working to pay for Rachel. Now, this is it. Ladies, you like good romance? Here it is. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Everybody say, oh, his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. And then as fairy tales go, everyone lived happily ever after, right? Oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm not exactly sure how this happened, but Laban tricks, the, the father tricks Jacob into marrying the older sister, who's the ugly one. Rachel, the Bible says, was pretty in form, but Leah, the older one, was ugly. That's why she was still single. And so, I don't know how you trick somebody into to marrying the wrong person. 
I, it was dark. Yeah, they didn't have electricity. That's got to be it. And he didn't have any oil in his lamp because he goes into the tent. And the Bible says that he has sexual relations with Leah to consummate the marriage and then wakes up the next day when there's light and goes, oh, my something like that. Um, I don't I don't know the exact Hebrew term for it, but something like that. Then he's mad at Laban. But here's a biblical principle. Numbers 32, 23 says this. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. What sins had he committed in his past? He was a trickster. And he was tricked by Laban. So now, in order to get Rachel, Laban goes, well, you know, you've got to work another seven years to get Rachel. All right, so he's got two wives. That's just stupid. Okay, I, I can't tell you how stupid it is to have multiple wives. But to have two wives who are sisters? you got to be some kind of idiot. you got to be... Oh, because sibling rivalry takes on a new meaning here. Now, you got to understand, in this culture, what made a woman valuable was being able to bear sons. I mean, women were... Girls were okay, but sons. Bear me sons. So they start competing. Rachel and Leah's sisters are competing over who can have the most babies. Leah has four boys. And, and she names them all these different things. And she says after the fourth son, she said, now my, my husband will love me more than her. Rachel was the pretty one. She didn't have any. So the score is four to zero. Leah's got four sons. Rachel's got nothing. Now, again, in this culture... Not according to God and God's word. If you look at God's word, one man, one woman for a lifetime. That's the way it was. But in this culture, for some reason, I guess they had strayed so far from God. Not only was it acceptable to them to have multiple wives, but if, if one wife did not have sons, she could give her slave girl to her husband and have sons through the slave girl. So here's poor Jacob. Rachel comes to him and says, here's my slave girl. Have sexual relations to her and have children to her. Jacob's not bright. Okay. <laughs> if you want me to, I will. Okay. So two sons through this slave girl. By this time, Leah, the older, ugly one who's had four sons, she gets nervous because she's not having any more sons. So what is an illogical sibling in a rival, rivalry with her sibling do? She gives her slave girl, comes to Jacob, Jacob, have sexual relations with my slave girl so I can have more sons. Okay, <laughs> if I have to. So now you got this idiot married to four women, three of whom he never intended to marry, one of whom he liked. He's now up to eight sons. And then... Leah gets pregnant and has two more. Ten boys. Now, in that society, he should have been happy. But the woman he loved couldn't have kids. So she cries out to God. Finally, at the end, she cries out to God. The Bible says that God opens her womb and she has a boy named Joseph. Now, where did Joseph? We're not done with the family tree, though, because it is so messed up. You've got to understand this. Now, you understand that Jacob was a bad husband, right? He played favorites among the wives. All of the wives knew it. And if you are born to one of the wives who's not a favorite, how do you feel as a son? Not very good. He was a terrible father. And so his sons, the sons of the trickster, turn out worse than him. One time, one of the sisters 
um, goes to the city called Shechem, and, and one of the guys actually falls in love with her. One of the men from Shechem falls in love with her, has sexual relations with her. Uh, it, call it what you want. It was actually rape. But the guy wanted to do the right thing and wanted to marry her. So he comes to Jacob and he says, I want to marry your daughter. All of the brothers get together without Jacob's knowledge. They go to the men in Shechem and they say, okay, you want to marry our, our sister. Here's what you got to do. We are Jews and, and we can't marry or let our sisters be married to someone who's not circumcised. You got to be circumcised. The dude loved her so much. He goes, I'll be circumcised. And they said, not just you. Every man in the city. He's got to be circumcised. Homeboy goes around knocking on doors. Can you imagine that? Who is it? Some religious nut. No, I mean, it's, it's some dude saying, you want me to do what? And so all of the men, he convinces them to get circumcised. You didn't have anesthesia. Didn't have hospitals. So the Bible says the men laid around for three days to recover. You know what Jacob's sons did? They came in and they slaughtered every male in the city in revenge for the rape of their sister. Pretended that, oh yeah, we'll, we'll be your friend. We'll let you marry our, our sisters. Instead, they killed them. That's pretty bad. But it gets worse. The firstborn was Reuben. And um, Reuben has sex... With his father's wife. Now, I don't remember which one, but he, he sleeps with one of his father's wives. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Judah. Um, Judah was another one that, that he didn't follow through on his promises. Because in those days, if your son died, if your son was married and, and he died without having offspring, another brother was supposed to marry the wife. Judah didn't follow through with that because the second son he gave to her died as well. And he said, I'm not giving her another son. So she hides and pretends that she's a temple prostitute and dipstick Judah driving along. And he thinks nobody will know. He has sex with his daughter-in-law and gets her pregnant. You thought your family was messed up. This family invented the term dysfunction. And here comes Joseph born into this family. But... In spite of all of that, in spite of his past, God does something incredible in him. And that's what I'm going to show you how it happened. The first thing we do on your listening guide, first thing, if you're going to, if you're going to overcome your past, if you're going to refuse to let your past rule your present, first thing you've got to do is change designers. Change designers. We've been talking about thread for about five weeks now. And we talk about you actually are clothed in Christ. And if you want to be clothed in Christ, you have to change designers. You can't go for your approval from other people who are clay pots. You go to your maker. Well, you change designers. The problem with the past is that it can become a dictator that rules you today. The only way to overcome your past is to change dictators. You let God rule your life. The story of Joseph was put in the Bible to remind us that no, no matter what others do to you, if God is with you, you can make something of your life. Your yesterday does not have to control your tomorrow. Now, Joseph, at this point, he's been sold by his brothers out of jealousy into slavery in Egypt. All right. Not only was he from a dysfunctional family, he's now a slave in a foreign land. But look what the Bible says in Genesis 39, 2 and 3. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, I don't know if you have your uh, Bibles with you, but you might want to underline that phrase. 
The Lord was with Joseph and blessed him greatly as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. If God is for you, we're told in the New Testament, who can be against you? No one. If God is for you, your past doesn't have to control your future. There are things that you may not be able to fix. You may not get your parents to accept you. Nothing you can do about that. Your brothers and sisters may not like you anymore, may not talk to you. You may not be able to fix that. Your boss may not be able to make up for some injustice that happened to you at work. But with God in your presence, he can always make something happen. Well, so you'd think by this time Joseph's had enough, right? He's slave in a foreign land. No. He gets put in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And uh, I just look at his story and I shake my head and I think, I couldn't do it. But you can't by yourself. He only did it with God with him. Look at Genesis 39, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph there too. If you have your Bibles, underline that. The Lord was with Joseph there too. And he granted Joseph favor with the chief jailer. No better place for Joseph to be than in jail. Why? Because God was with him. And sometimes God has to take you down before he can take you up. The Bible says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Sometimes he's got to take you down through the valley to equip you for where he wants you to go. The problem comes when we're at the bottom and we assume that, that that's all there is. That that's the end of the trip. God always has something else up his sleeve. So when you wear God's label, when you change designers and God rules your life, it means your past does not have to control your future. What happened to you five years ago or ten years ago or even last month no longer dictates your steps. Is what happened to you still real? People who have gone through Celebrate Recovery, they talk about incredible things that have happened in their past. Is, the, is their past still real? Sure. But the past no longer hurts them. It's no longer in control of where they're going to go. And the thing about God is he will never waste a hurt in your life. God knows where he wants you to go. God knows how he wants you to be equipped when you get there. And so he allows certain things to happen in your life so that if you'll trust him, he will open up a ministry opportunity where your heart will connect with another person's heart simply because you've been through what they are now going through. And they'll say, you don't understand. And you go, yeah, I do. And when you say, I have been there, and you start telling your story to somebody who's going through it, their walls around their heart melt. And God uses you in a way that you never thought possible because of what happened in your past. God knows what you need to be ready when you get there. So your problems should become object, object lessons from the past to show you how you need to be different, not excuses to repeat the same stupid mistakes in the future. So first, you've got to change designers. Second, you've got to change families. Change families. Now, this is in Genesis 41, if you want to flip on over there. God eventually, through all of this prison and all of this bad stuff, he eventually elevates Joseph to the second in command of the whole Egyptian nation. Um, but something was still missing. What was still back in the land of the Israelites? His family. God restored him to this incredible position out of jail, but he didn't have a family. So you know what God did? God gave him a new one. Gave him a new family. New relationships to replace the bad ones. Joseph marries a woman named Asenath. I don't know what that means, but that's kind of a strange name. And they had two sons. And I want you to notice what he names the sons, because this is very significant. Genesis 41, verses 50 through 52. 
During this time, before the arrival of the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of Heliopolis. Joseph named his older son Manasseh. Here's what Manasseh means. For he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and the family of my father. God gave him a new family, gave him a son, and he says, God has made me forget my family. And then he has another son, and he names him Ephraim. What does Ephraim mean? God has made me fruitful in this land of my suffering. By naming his two sons this way, this is just another way that Joseph says, My past, which is incredibly bad, will not control my future. And I'm telling the world, through my sons, the names of my sons, that this will not control me. And here's the deal. Appropriate relationships will help you not to dwell on the negative in the past, but they'll help you look at the positives of what God's doing now, today, and what he wants to do in your future. If old relationships are destroying you, maybe it's because you've not yet replaced them with new relationships. Here's what I mean. Depressed people tend to hang out with depressed people. Right? Um, I've seen guys be unfaithful to their wives because they are, are hanging out with people who are unfaithful to their wives. You will become like your friends. So if you want to go somewhere, if you want to change the trajectory of your life, then start hanging out with people who are going somewhere. I mean, it only makes sense. If the scar from, from 10 years ago still hurts you, something's wrong. I have scars all over my body. I have a scar right there where I threw a broken honey jar um, at a car. Brilliant. Um, but that scar doesn't hurt me. It happened 30 years ago. I have a burn on my leg that happened 35 years ago. Third degree burn. It's just slick. Um, no hair grows there. It's really weird looking. It doesn't hurt me anymore though. I still remember what happened, but it doesn't hurt me. Emotionally, if that scar is still hurting you, there's something wrong. God wants to give you an, a Manasseh experience. He wants to help you forget your past. He wants to give you an Ephraim experience. He wants to make you fruitful right where you are. So quit trying to run away from where you are. Come to God and let him make you fruitful right where you are. Many of us, many of us can't love our current family because we're still jacked up by the family we used to live in. Well, if your father was bad, you need a new father. If your mother was bad, you need a new mother. Maybe you need some new brothers and sisters, some new siblings. And you might say, well, how do I get that? Some of you are going, sign me up. You don't get a new spouse, by the way. Don't go out saying that I said you could go trade in spouses. That doesn't, it, nah. But here's what happens. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 29. Everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will have eternal life. And then in Psalm 68, 5, God says he will be a father to the fatherless. Where do you get this new family? It's called the family of God. It's called the church. God designed the church to replace those messed up relationships from your past. And I can honestly say there are people in this room who are closer to me than my blood relatives. And I would call them in, in an emergency before I would call my blood relatives. I like my family, but they're hundreds of miles from me. God has given me a new family and we thank God for this family over and over again. It's what the local church is all about. Now, so you need to change families, change designers, change families. There's one other thing you got to do. 
refuse to let your past rule your present, you've got to change your focus. You cannot be fruitful right where you are while you are focused on the suffering and pain of your past. Because you'll miss God. You've got to focus on God because your focus will determine your feelings. You may have heard of somebody named Corey Ten Boom. And if you didn't, she was in Nazi death camp. Read some of her books. Incredible, incredible lady. She suffered unbelievably. Here's what she said about focus. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within... You'll be depressed. But if you'll look at Christ, you'll be at rest. So do you want to be distressed, depressed, or at rest? Well, you've got to change your focus. I was reading that our president, and whatever you think of our president, I'm not here to make a political statement, but I was just reading that his approval ratings are at the lowest in history. And I got to thinking, you know, does approval of the American people, does that determine whether you're a good person or not, or whether you've done a good job or not? No. Neither does the approval of your family or other human beings who were created by God. What really matters is God. His approval is what matters. Like the Wemmicks, though, we try to improve our approval ratings by looking at other people just like us. And it doesn't make sense. Our maker tells us that he approves of us just the way we are. But he, he, he loves us too much to leave us like we are. And so... Even if you don't feel valuable, God says you are valuable. And to prove it, he sent his son to die on a cross for you. Now, do you think I'm going to give up my son for you? I mean, let's just be honest. If I got to choose between my son and you, you're going to die. I mean, because he's my son. I couldn't do that. But God said, you are so valuable. That I'll give up my son because I want you so badly to be with me. If you're not feeling valuable today, you haven't looked at the cross in a while. Every time I see that scene of Jesus stretched out there and you know, watch the passion of the Christ. That's one of the most incredible scenes of misery. And watch what Christ went through. And that's just merely a depiction. Jim Caviezel said that, that it, when he was being whipped, you know, when they were filming it, one of the... the uh, Tines actually caught him and ripped open his back. Just one. A cat of nine tails has at least nine of them on there and has uh, bone and shard. And that would, Jesus was whipped with that 39 times. For you. If that doesn't make you valuable, I don't know what does. Now, you may feel like this one. But what makes you valuable is not what's on the outside. What makes you valuable is what goes on the inside. And uh, I'll be honest with you, there's lots of times I feel cracked. <laughs> I don't know why I did this, but last night nobody was around. You know, I was in my bathroom and I was getting ready for bed. I decided to flex. <laughs> Exactly. That's exactly what I did. I tried to suck in my gut. And my face got red. And uh, I just was looking and I was going, oh, man. Getting old stinks. Well, I mean, on the outside. I'm better on the inside than I used to be. Um, but I just, I was looking at myself and I'm going, dad, gum. 
Ain't a reason in the world anybody should like me for the outside. <laughs> There's not one there. And I really did. I started thinking, God, I'm so glad that, that you like me for, for me. Because I, really, I can't really convince anybody else to like me. Except my wife. She, I fooled her. She married me, so she's stuck. Um, when God's Spirit invades your life and takes up residence... And and by the way, he said, I will come into anyone's life who asks me. But God is a gentleman and he will not force his way into your life. The Bible tells us revelation that he stands at the door and knocks, but he won't knock the door in. He waits on you to ask him and then he'll infuse your life with power. But only if you ask him. Second Corinthians four, seven says we have this. We who have this spiritual treasure like common clay pots. In order to show that the supreme power belongs to God, not us. The Bible says that all of us are like this. And, and it says that, that what makes us valuable is not this. It's God's spirit that lives in us. And the incredible thing about God, this is what I've learned, because I've, I've got some really painful emotional scars in my past. But what I've learned about God is that when, when his Holy Spirit comes in and you start focusing on the cross... Before long, you forget that you're cracked. I only notice these scars when, you know, every once in a while I go, oh yeah, I remember that. You forget that you're cracked because you're focused on Him and you realize that He wants you to take this message to other cracked pots. What makes us valuable is the spiritual treasure that God gives us. Not the fact that we look so good. Look at Hollywood and watch them try to, to stay young. And they get to the point that their faces are like this. They can't smile. They try, you know, they get on the, the red carpet. That's the funniest thing to me. If you've had a couple of facelifts, you can't crack anymore. I think that, you know, wrinkles, you know, we call them distinction. I call them that more that the more I get. But they're like this and they can't smile. Oh, yeah. And they, they put junk in their lips to make their lips more full and kissable. But the problem is, it's poison they're putting in there. And eventually, it's going to blow up. Bad stuff. Quit trying to get your approval from people and go to your maker. Focus on God. I want you to take your registration cards, if you would. Fill them out. And then on the back, I want you to write... These words. God, I want to change. And then whatever you need to change. I gave you three options today. You can change designers. You can change families. Or you can change your focus. If you need to do all three, write them all three. But write, God, I want to change. And then one of those. I want to change designers today. I'm tired of trying to please people. I want to change my family because my family is messed up. And I need some brothers and sisters. There are women in this church that are like moms to other women in this church. There are men in this church that are like dads to other men in this church. There are all kinds of kids downstairs that need a father figure. There are girls downstairs that need a woman to come up beside them and, and show them what it means to be a woman of God. If you need a new family, you can do that. Or do you need to change your focus? We're going to sing another song. And I want you just to... to you, you probably don't know the song. 
but read the words and just kind of sing this as a prayer to God. When we're done, there's a couple of baskets at the back. One of them is for your registration card, the big one. The other one's the joy basket. That's where all of our church members give. Yes, we don't ever ask you to give. This is just a gift to you, and we hope you'll come back. Let's just spend some time focusing on God as we sing this song.